side joint Ooh, cold side joint Hello, Amron, and welcome to the Lucky 13, last uh, episode of the season, Cults I Join. This is the wrap-up, where we go over everything we've chatted about for 12 episodes and say what we really think, as if we ever don't. Yes, now you get our true thoughts and feelings for the first time. If you've made it this far, you're lucky. (laughs) No, no, no. But we are going to talk about it, and we are going to go over a few things. Originally, I don't know, if you guys have been here before, you know that sometimes I sort of like anxiously recount things that I think I might have done wrong in these episodes. I've decided not to do Mm. that as part of my 2024 resolution. Um, We're in the new year, and I've decided that I don't need to do that because... I am in a safe space and we are all learning and growing together. And I probably didn't say anything too crazy from what I listened to. I didn't hear anything that needed redaction. So I'm not, I'm not clarifying anything this year. Wow. Good for you. Look at you go. I Thank have you. to tell. End of episode. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone for coming. I think we've shown that we've grown and matured and we Wrapped. don't need you anymore. Check. <laughs> we've got it. um i have to tell you solace and i went out for a indian buffet today so yesterday was my birthday this is about new year's eve or about uh resolutions um yesterday was my birthday and so it kind of carried into today and while i'm while i have him you know trying to be in my birthday space i was like you got to come to an indian food buffet because usually he's food close-minded so all that to say we were at a buffet eating indian food today and uh he said, what are your New Year's resolutions? And I said, well, I think that I'm going to work on like not thinking of myself in the boxes I have thought of myself in. Like I think of myself as a person who doesn't like to travel. I think of because I have horrific panic attacks and I'm agoraphobic. Right. But, but, but that is, you know, that is how I think of myself. So like things that I've boxed myself into, I'm going to try to just not think of myself as a person who can't or doesn't do certain things um, just to maybe yeah. ease up on that phobia. Maybe it'll let me go a little bit. So I was saying like, I'm going to readjust my labels. And I said, what are, what are you thinking about? And he goes, I'm going to play more video games. Heck yeah, brother. There's <laughs> like, an idea oh. I can get behind. One of you is doing some like deep retrospective thinking and the other one is here for a good time. And I respect that. Both. I mean, he's, he's basically Robert frosting it. Like he's, he's doing it the right way. He's like, what, what more marrow can I suck out of the bone of life? Right? Like what what more can I, yeah, exactly. Which is the goal if you're being a good person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's a, it's a I, level of self, self-actualization that he's reaching there. You know, you yeah. and I, we're like, we need to do some tweaking. He's right. like, I'm he's good. Like, it would bring me pleasure to play more video games. <laughs> that's, that's major. <laughs> I feel like I actually learned a couple of lessons in that story, which I'm loving. I know. It was really great. Okay. And then this is the last thing I'm going to tell about Tallis, which I was going to tell anyway, just because I'm a, a proud mommy. So yesterday was my birthday. And Solace made me an elaborate surprise party. I probably told you about last year's elaborate surprise party, which was the first one. So I've never had a surprise party thrown for me before, which is probably true of a lot of people. Um, but last, he's so loving. He's so sweet. He's very concerned that I'm going to die a spinster. And 
that's my stated goal, but he doesn't like, he loves me and doesn't like the idea. So Mm. last year he threw me a surprise party for my birthday, which is January 2nd. And (laughs) we watched the Gilmore girls together and like obsessively. And so he forced, he commandeered our very nice elderly neighbor's house like went over and was like, Hey, I'm throwing my mom a surprise party in my house. Cause that just, or in your house. Cause that just makes sense. So oh. I'm going to, I'm going to be in your dining room. I'm going to need you to put Christmas lights around it, do this and this and this. And he made a bunch of um, Luke's diner replica signs and menus oh, like with no. his own markers on our paper and like oh, turned the whole goodness. thing into the Gilmore girls. And then like called our, you and I's mutual friend, Carissa, and gave her a shot. Was like, okay, you have to get burgers and a unicorn cake and like everything that they would Aww. serve at Luke's diner. <laughs> and then he legit sub- get, like threw me a sur- and like called my friend. So he did that last oh, year. Special. So sweet. And then this year he did it again. He went through my phone like a month ago. Got out all my phone numbers. Called all my friends. And then Carissa um, was his accomplice, and she blindfolded me and threw me in a car. That's a real thing. And uh, they took me bowling with all of our friends. That's amazing. I love bowling at this time of year. It's such a premium pastime choice. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't even, it's like a thing I would never have, I would never have been like, I should take all my friends bowling. You know, I would never have done that. So that's the beauty of an awesome boy in your life. So that was, anyway, I'm back back in the world now, but that's what a gift. Yeah. That's very special. Yes, well, from it makes all me of happy. Us here on the on the podcast side, I'm speaking for everybody. We all tell you happy birthday because I'm sure hey, after thanks. everybody heard that it was your birthday that they all wanted to pass that on to you. So, Aww, I thanks everybody. Wait, but also Thank for you. me, and we're happy that you're immediately back in the game here to talk about groups with us today. Yay! Groups. I'm happy I say too. Conservative conservative word today. Interesting. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. All right, let's get into it. Uh, and Sorry, I just talked all about my life. Anything new with you that you, we should hear about? No, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Just a regular new year of resolutions and the same old, same old stuff from me. I'm not going to the gym. Great. Except once every once in a while mm-hmm. when I feel like it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much where we're at right now on my end. Love it. So love it. Sounds closing sounds into the new year. Indulgent is a word that I'm going to really work with this year. Yeah, I love that word. I think it's <laughs> such a good word choice. I'm one of those people that loves to choose a word for the new year, but then I always choose like six because I can't settle on mm-hmm. one. Yeah, and so that's probably good. I think that's a good thing about me. I don't know. I think resilient was the word that I chose for myself, um, hmm. but. Uh, I really like indulgent, (laughs) but that's how I got where I am. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We, our first episode of season three was IBLP. Bam, bam, bam. IBLP. Okay. Um, I am going to play a little word association game with each one of these. And let's just each say the first like word or short phrase that comes to our Mm -hmm. mind when we picture IBLP. For me, matching dresses with giant collars. Go. Oh no! You took mine. Was I that was yours? Say matching bib dresses. 
Now, nice. Mm-hmm. I like it when we're okay. identical. I think that's even more fun. I like that too. I think that is it's more like fun. the dating that's what, game. Come, that's what came to mind for me too, specifically for IBLP. That and the little like pamphlet. I don't know. I always see their like paper materials in my mind mm-hmm. for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, and the little like marking sheets where you have to like circle the ladies' clothing. Oh, gosh. I, I saw that. that. I like actually saw that with my eyes no. and I can't think about that too. So that'll be, if I needed to have a unique one, oh, it would gosh. be that. So painful. So Oof. painful. Circle why it's her fault. Circle, circle the victim oh, <laughs> and you will inevitably. Yes. Because something is wrong with this, but yeah, that a tough group, a tough group. You know, we talked about it. We kind of doubled down. We talked about shiny, happy people on the Patreon and right. we talked about IBLP, of course, on the main feed. Um, yeah. I think the main thing that I want to say about IBLP that I feel like I'm always tripping up on and mm-hmm. is probably confusing for other people too, is that IBLP is not a church. That right? was my note as well. Okay. Oh no, we are the same so person. in sync. I kind of love it. Okay. So Yeah. That's what I have. Why don't you expound? Well, that was my note as well. And I think um, as far as building a cult, it worked out surprisingly well for him. But I think as far as building a business, it was really genius because and we will they kind of did the same thing later when we talk about the remnant. Right. They they made this business that was 100 percent focused on, I mean, everybody, if you're an author, if you're uh, starting asking for a business loan, the question is, who is your audience? You know, and as a person who runs a farmer's market where hundreds of artists who have never been in the art world selling anything ever, they fill out all their applications and it asks you in the application, who is your audience? And they're like, everybody who likes art. Nope. It's never going to sell anything. That is everybody is nobody's audience. Mm-hmm. Not everybody likes Apple products. So not everybody's going to like your thing for yeah. sure. So uh, all that to say, they picked their very specific audience to the exclusion of everybody else. They didn't say they were a church, so you didn't have to leave your own church. But it was yep. just for you, the chosen one. And that appeals to your ego. And and then they just insidiously creeped in through all the cracks like black ooze. And showed you all the ways that women deserve victimhood because that's, I guess, their their fundamental business. Like I that's guess the their bottom of the pyramid. For business them. model is the oppression of women. It seems right, which is I confusing. Mean, but welcome I, to the club, I, guys. Yeah, that's not super original. The <laughs> patriarchy's been here, done that for years now. Um, yeah, but. They were just, yeah, servants, slaves to the patriarchy. They were devoted to the ways of everybody else. And um, they took it to kind of the extreme, I would say, in several cases. But I don't want to, I think, as I said in the episode itself, when we first recorded it, give them too much credit because I really don't think anything here is that original. I think that it was very, except for business-wise, I do think, like you were saying, it was a very smart business strategy. Um, Outside of that, I don't think the theology or the, you know, practices that came into it, despite not being a church. Um, I don't think that those things were necessarily too exciting or crazy to me. I was pretty familiar with most of them being on a focus in the family kind of. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. This all makes sense. Yes. Ugh. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, IBLP, I think we're ready to shut the door on you as is the rest of the world. 
Yeah, we're all kind of done with you, it turns out. Ugh, yeah, I think take, the Duggar but- dad <laughs> likes you, and he is a relic. That's it. Aging, pale dinosaurs like you. That's it. IBLP, a religion, a, a business religion for aging dinosaurs. Pale aging dinosaurs. Precisely. I think you've nailed it. I think you've said it all, frankly. Okay. <laughs> all right. Then on to sovereign citizens. Now, these sovereign are some citizens. fun slash terrifying folks. These are some interesting um, people. All right. Let's do our word association. Sovereign citizens. I didn't write anything down. I'm really free, free thinking this. I think of uh, I think of people machine gunning um, cops behind their car. That's what I think of. Wow. Well, okay, so I've got a gentler take this time. But <laughs> while accurate, yours is accurate, mine is also accurate. I got to come in with the, I see people with the postmaster authority in my mind, <laughs> like deference to the postmaster. Even if that's like kind of ridiculous and not, they're not like bowing to the postmaster. That's what comes to mind for me whenever I think about this group. I recall that was your grandpa's input. Yeah. Nice. It was, yeah. It was weird because I, I don't know that he was ever fully, like, I don't think he was ever sovereign citizen status, not to my knowledge, but like somehow picked up on pretty much everything it sounds like they were into, uh, except for the violent, aggressive stuff. He was not it's in any of like, that. If ever you had to like change your tire in a small town gas station, it's the kind of thing that the person helping you change your tire would strike up a conversation with you about like nine times out of 10. Like, it's well, so you know, it's just all the Illuminati and the Rothschilds and the and blah, blah, blah. And, and, this is, and, and then you have to be like, yep, everybody who's who's in on reality knows that. And then somebody's going to mention the Matrix, even though you're in a small town gas station. Yeah. And that's it's true. It's true. Yeah. But what what's interesting to me about IBLP is that then they take the or I'm sorry, about sovereign citizens is that uh then they take that next step right on over to aliens, which I think is a uh, to me a cool. leap. To me it's not one step, but it seems to connect easily for them. Yes, I love that. I also thought at first you said to you it was elite, not a leap. And I really, I was hoping that was your take. And I think that'd be interesting as well. But um, no, I think that it's a really good jump in terms of um, what you would expect out of them. It's a big, it's a big move. I would not have expected this to ever be from a group that's so just like conservative coded and just Uh very much giving me only just very familiar Ozarkian stuff, you know? Right, right. I'm yeah, on the IBLP weird, energy, like, but different, mm-hmm. more yeah, yeah. feral, I would say. <clears throat> well, I'd say, I'd say, okay, so if the overarching thing for most religions, and we'll just say, let's talk about IBLP and sovereign citizens in this moment. If the overarching thing is that you feel better and smarter than everybody else, right? Yeah. With IBLP, you feel better and smarter than everybody else because you've read the right curriculum for to have the right life skills given mm-hmm. to you directly from God, you know, via this like child molester, right? Um, uh, allegedly, right? Because, uh, you know, statute of limitations. Um, but but then in Sovereign Citizens, you're better and smarter than everybody else because you figured out the many, many conspiracy theories that nobody else has, right? So, exactly. so yes, Sovereign Citizens appeals to people who are, who are conservatives, but I think it appeals to the ego-based conservatives, of which there right. are many. Uh, mm-hmm. And then is like, if 
you know, it's like if you're additionally really undereducated, but like to seem smart, here is the path for you. You don't have to read too far into anything. You can just read one piece of paper on each thing and then be like, I know about aliens. I know about 9-11. Right. I know about JFK. Yes. It's I can very steal your convenient. house. It's super convenient. Oh, the stealing of the houses. Now that, that's a little bit of a power shift that would be very beneficial. Well, I think, I think so. Yeah. I think we talked about both these things at the beginning, which was the idea that like, these are movements for the disempowered specifically. And one could argue that all religion is, but that's not the argument I'm trying to make. Um, But particularly one in which you get to steal your neighbor's shit. (laughs) Seems like a movement for the disempowered. Yeah, it is very, uh, I don't think grassroots is the right word, but it's very understandable. Um, it's a very, like, I don't know. It's a very human kind of, yeah, not just coming from a place of of need in some ways, I'm sure, but also coming from um, a place of ego, like you were talking about, I think, undoubtedly. Yeah. The most important, like the most interesting thing to me in the world of sovereign citizens is when uber rich people decide that they're sovereign citizens as if they don't fucking have enough already. That's always like the most interesting to me. And one group that I, or what, not a group, but like one sovereign citizen incident that I didn't take the time to tell you about in the regular feed that I'll mention now is, is a certain, I believe she was a judge. Like it was somebody who had like plenty of power and prestige and money, but like decided that they were a sovereign citizen and like literally like wouldn't pay their pet fees or some like really basic thing, but ended up having Mm. like an extended standoff with the feds in which sovereign citizens kept coming to their land and like resupplying them with like food and stuff. So they could keep having (laughs) the standoff with the feds. And fucking Randy Weaver came through. Do you remember Randy Weaver? Uh, of course I do. Yes. From Ruby Ridge. Uh, yes. Of Ruby Ridge fame, because that's still his scene. He he made his living on kind of the gun show circuit, mm. selling his books right. and stuff, which I don't begrudge him. But I didn't realize that he was like, yes, I'm I'm still going to covertly help with armed standoffs for a judge. Old. Quite yeah, bold. for a rich, well-off judge who, by the way, lost her well, property. That was stupid. You played a stupid game. Yeah, won a stupid prize. That's the way it goes <laughs> every time. So, that all right, anything else about the sovereign citizens? I don't think so. I do. I do kind of love the bullheadedness of just being like, I am living in this country, but no. I am my own person. <laughs> Leave me be. I do. I just want to give a small shout out to the general mindset behind that. Pretty cool. Pretty metal. Uh, execution here. Not a huge fan. No, um, but I'm going to add, I don't think it's metal if you're going to drive on the roads that are like socialized tax structure. No, 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 no. You'd have to be more serious about it. Like we yeah, talked about in the episode. Exactly. Like You have to commit. Yeah. You have to be real. Like not like become Amish, for instance. If I if you're the Unabomber, I'm going to give it to you. Mm. If you're if you're living like the Unabomber, then I'm down for you and your weird sovereign citizen shit. Do whatever you want. If you're is your, I mean, I prefer you not bomb people. But short of that, that guy really had down his anti technology thing. Like he went by his rules. So if if you're going to do that, I give it to you. Otherwise, get your shit together. 
Right. We don't want the, we like a common thread throughout the entire season, I feel like, for season three was, and maybe other seasons, we like whenever you practice what you preach. As That's long it. as practicing what you preach doesn't result in hurting other human beings, in which case also true. we obviously don't like it because we never like that. But, well, we want you to then back that out of your preaching as well. <laughs> well, exactly. Right. Precisely. So, yeah. yeah, we do have a few demands, but we're relatively yeah. reasonable, I would say. We're pretty chill. I think yeah. so. That being said, I'm not joining the Sovereign Citizens. Didn't catch no. my interest. I couldn't take the bait. No. It was a bad, yeah. bad loss. It was a zero for two on the beginning of the season. You know, to me, it's the argle blargle. It's it's the mm-hmm. it's the endless legal briefs you have to send in. Like, yeah. there's so many books I want to read. I don't ha- I don't have it in me to send argle blargle letters to people. Just I just that's such a no disorganized mind that can handle that that level of just blurgity 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 speech. I can't. I got shit to do. True, we are busy yeah. women. No yeah. time for that. But what do I know? I'm just out here using my social security number like an idiot. So, just a fool, just a corporate <laughs> government owned fool. Listen, sovereign citizens, if the post office is ruling your world and you're living your best life because of it, we congratulate you. And we move on to FLDS. Certainly. Hello. Certainly do. Fundamentalist Latter day Saints, welcome. Welcome. I'm aware that polygamy is bad. Don't yell at me. No, I'm, I'm not. But I, I'm aware that. Polygamous communes have been going horrifically awry, and I I see that, and that is the FLDS overall. That's fair. I will say, I will say, since we talked about FLDS, we talked about the Sister Wife series on Patreon, and if you have, you're not subscribed to Patreon, you haven't heard that, you should listen because, and also watch along because. I was actually really surprised by how I felt about Sister Wives in general. And that's something I actually wanted to say about the FLDS episode is that I expressed when we recorded that prior to watching the Sister Wives show that I had some trepidation. I had some concerns um, and I still do. Of course, I'm not perfectly cured and in the way of polygamy, um, but I did find myself a lot more uh, familiar with and perhaps even comfortable with the idea of polygamy and polygamous families and just like what's going on and what that looks like. And so I think that's really interesting. Um, and it definitely softened to that. I obviously did not soften as neither of us did throughout the entire episode to the blood atonement, which I never liked, uh, and the other more <laughs> extreme stuff either. <laughs> we agree that the naming is spot on. Yes. But we don't like the execution. Pun no. intended. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're all yeah. out. Of- yeah. It's problematic. It, I'd call it problematic. The blood atonement. It's a it's a take that's warranted, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, what, so compare and contrast to me. Because you felt trepidatious before you watched Sister Wives. And guys, if you can skip on over to the Patreon. I think you get like a week free trial. You should listen to that episode and you should also enjoy sister wives with us. Um, But so you went into that feelings of trepidation and then you liked them more. I'm guessing because they have relative, you know, like uh, relative to anybody else, healthy relationships, a nice, happy family structure. um, And, and maybe that made it seem less maybe foreign to you, or Mm -hmm. maybe it just, seemed more functional than you could have pictured it or maybe the relationships 
were less male centric than you thought? What about it made it more palatable than you thought it would be? Because I'm wondering, here's why I ask. I'm wondering if when we look at the FLDS, which now the people and sister wives came out of, a lot of them, um, but are not in, that's why they can have this mainstream life and talk about it more. Um, and But I'm wondering if whatever made you more comfortable watching Sister Wives might be found in some FLDS or not. It's a good question. I'm not sure what the answer is, but I can tell you some of the things, a couple of the things that I found that were more comforting. I think one of them, and they're both related to youth, interestingly enough, which might be mm. telling, but... One of them is how open they are in the Sister Wives show about the fact that they are not forcing any of their children to be in the same lifestyle as they are. Yeah. It's a very, yeah. they, they say this many times throughout the beginning of the yes. show. It is their children's choice. Some of them are vocal that they're not interested. Some of them are seemingly down for the ride. Um, that's great. I love that. I don't feel that so much in the more religiously intensified settings. I would say I see a lot yeah. more intense religious spaces with what I have previously associated with and seen and consumed around fundamental uh, Mormonism. And yeah. so I think that's where a lot of my drawback has been. The second one that I would say is just how much older the wives are that you're getting to know. Not to say that they're old women by any means. They're not. One of them is literally having a baby. But they aren't in their early 20s. They're all women that are adults and they have their heads on fully straight. And because of that, it's not super male-centric or male worshipy. They yeah. all know what they're about. They're all in their bag. I love that. That's a little different also than what I often have seen in the FLDS polygamous spaces, which is more of the skewed power imbalances between man and wife and even more of the age differences between man and wife, Yeah, which sure. I just have a really tough time with, like many people do, not trying to act like I'm some sort of saint here. Um, but, you know, <laughs> hot speaking, take. Cameron doesn't think old take. men should marry children. <laughs> I know you guys are going to come at me for this, but I'm all about trying to keep the ages closer together than that. Um, yeah, no. So uh, thank you for She's listening. She's a trailblazer. <laughs> yes, I'm a feminist, if you can believe it, a strong <laughs> fighter for this fight. Um, but yeah, that's 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 kind of what I would say. It's difficult for me to know how much of that would be seen in some FLDS families versus what my exposure has been and what that difference is, you know, because I'm sure there are sure. differences. Well, and it just struck me as you were talking, you know, like, it's a, it is a big, big deal that they don't have that expectation of their children. And they're very clear about that. What a difference that makes. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, uh, you know, I don't think we have to, well, we know perfectly well, the bulk of families in FLDS certainly expect their daughters uh, and their sons to participate in it because their daughters are forced to marry people young. Mm. And everybody expects that as opposed to like, Hey, are you into this? It's cool if you're not. You right. Know? Like, so <laughs> getting your nails painted, like, what are your thoughts on plural marriage, honey? Yeah. And <laughs> thinking so. recently. Yeah. It's much cozier <laughs> in one setting. Yeah. So so I think I think we're safe to say that that level of freedom is not commonly afforded to kids in FLDS as it is to polygamous families outside of FLDS, uh, mm -hmm. which is I would guess 
exactly why they are now outside of FLDS because their families are still back in those communities and they're not, they're not there, you know, and, and you see the loss of, I would, I would, I would guess that, you know, it's not a spoiler alert to know that we're talking about the beginning of sister wives in current sister wife land. The entire family has disbanded. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would guess that is, exclusively i mean i know that they have a million reasons for disbanding but i would i would lay down my money that they would not have disbanded if they were in an flds community i would guess you're right because divorces not even just but not just because you forbidden but not just because of that for sure yeah because I, yes of course it would have been much less likely simply on based on that but also uh they, when you step out of your community, you, by definition, lose your community. And and that is so much of, you need community to prop up a lifestyle that bucks the mainstream that much. That's mm-hmm. why Amish people need other Amish people. You know, that's like, yeah. you, you can't do it on your own. You'll crack unless you're the Unabomber and you don't need anybody anywhere. And you're completely by yourself. You you need your community to be in a feedback loop with you to say, this is the right thing. We're doing the right thing. You don't give this up. They lost yeah. their community and then they didn't have anybody around them when they started to go like, hey, this isn't great for me. I'm not even saying that's bad. I'm just saying it is right. how it pl- pans out. When those women started to go, hey, my, I don't think my husband's treating me great. Hey, I might be happier without this. They didn't have people around them going this is your eternal contract. Like they didn't have that. Right. And so, no, the so, pressure was different. Yeah. And, and I think too, like, it's very interesting now that you mention it about the freedom for their children, because it's wonderful that they are good parents and gave that freedom to their children, but that's not the religion. The real, well, the religion mm-hmm. says you don't get past a certain level of, of heaven without multiple wives. Mm-hmm. or being a multiple wife. You don't you don't get past like the entrance level. So right. I wonder if when they're going cuz that's still their religion. I wonder for the adults if they're going like it's okay if you're not polygamous, but I genuinely believe you'll only be in the first layer of heaven. I wonder mm-hmm. how that works in their head. I don't know. I mean, another spoiler alert, not all their kids turn out to be straight and they actually mm-hmm. handle it really well. But I wonder mm-hmm. um yeah, they handle it well, but I wonder uh in their heads, what they, what they think their eternity is. Hmm. Yeah. Based on their, I don't know. Well, we're going too far afield in this. We, <laughs> um, I guess, uh, but I was just curious because, because we, you know, the world is pretty solid on their thoughts on FLDS and, and so are you, Amarin, and that's perfectly, there's no reason not to be pretty solid. It's a pretty sure. clear cut thing but i i wondered if seeing a, a more like some having more familiarity with the inside of a polygamous marriage would change your feelings at all about flds but it is true that the two things that made you comfortable aren't i don't think mirrored well, in flds but i will say i did start by saying to kind of take back that it did change how i felt about F- the flds i do think that watching it changed it uh how i felt and i do think that it makes a difference in just kind of my overall impression about um just just the operation and how that might feel and that 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 what might normal interactions look like in those spaces and just introducing that definitely all seems more cohesive to me I think and I think that it does open up the possibility that there are those spaces that exist where 
there is just like happiness and good energy and no one is upset and married too young and forced into something or anything like that. I'm definitely open to that in a probably a way I wouldn't have been before watching Sister Wives. So I think it's a really good point. Um, but I do worry that those two things that are maybe the most comfy elements of Sister Wives, as you're saying, probably aren't present in most of those spaces for FLDS families. Well, I, I would guess that they're certainly not in this current iteration with the crazy person in prison who's in charge of everything still. But, sure. you know, I have kind of voraciously read whatever I can written by people inside FLDS. And the impression that I get is that there were pockets in history where, in fact, it was much more relaxed and marriage was based mm-hmm. on love and and they were not slaves to a leader to that extent, not anywhere near that extent. Like people chose their partners, people loved their their partners people believed in this kind of marriage as opposed to like this is my life and i better do it or i'm going to hell you know like right i there that's why people stick to it because they cast back and it and it had a good feeling previously so i don't know i just think there are so many layers to a community like flds that i just i'm interested in whichever layers are are feel good to people mm-hmm. in there um, because we never focus on those out, out here. I, so I guess I'm not denying all the many terrible layers in FLDS. It's just, I feel like everybody else often denies all the good ones. And so I want to, I want to see those. I'm interested in them. Yeah. I think that's nice. And I think that's what makes, I think that's something that makes you a great person to be on a show like this. Why you have a show like this is to be able to, talk about groups and have a more sympathetic and empathetic gear to some of those. I don't know how much you can empathize with all of these concepts, but you know, just, just reach out on that level emotionally, which is not something everybody is enabled to do. And it's a special thing. So I really like that. I think that it's interesting because I know we both come to the FLDS thing, as we've talked about in our episode from places of doing a lot of research, which makes our Mm -hmm. conclusions really interesting because I've also studied the FLDS for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot about their history. I know a lot about um, just everything that's happened to them foundationally and in all of these different areas and how they split off and just their different iterations. And I think that there has to be good within so many people like yeah. saying, choosing yeah. to be a part of a be. thing there can't not be so i do i do have to extend that as kind of a closing thought about that both is that i know that humans like i don't believe humans are bad and corrupt i believe humans do good things and i believe when humans come together in community it, it often creates very good things and I think that there are definitely good things that come out of even spaces that may be suboptimal for certain people or events or what have you throughout the course of history. I think it can be happening in, in a dual way, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. Okay, well, with that, FLDS, I cannot stress this enough. Somebody braid my hair like that. Somebody so braid true. my hair like that. I, how much clearer can I say it? Send me a sister wife for hair braiding. I'll I'll do nice stuff for her too. I'm not as good at the braiding, but I can many talents Jesse has that she can help. There's the got a lot of good stuff going on here. Much artistry, Mm -hmm. absolutely. A lot of I've had a lot of great experiences with you in a lot of different endeavors. So I think I highly recommend it. Yep, someone braid her hair. Thank you for that endorsement. 
Yes. I can trade um, for some braid. Yes. Trade for braid. Trade for braid. That's what the shirts say uh, for the podcast. We'll trade for braid. We'll trade for braid. <laughs> oh my gosh, that. I could just go to Utah, sit on the side of the road with a sign till somebody pulls over. We'll trade you for could. braid. I would recommend some safety and security. But I do love it. <laughs> I do love it. Um, You're always wrecking my cult plans, Aaron. I'm always. always wrecking your cult plans. I listen to too much true crime. Too much. Damn I'll it. All right. Yes. Speaking of okay. which, we're yeah. on to that was Lori Yeah. And a triangle of dummies, as you so absolutely titled the episode. Yeah. <laughs> this one, I honestly, unlike Ethel Diaz, I have very, very, very little to say about this one. I Yeah, there's not much to, to talk about it. People. Yeah, they're trash people. They got a crazy idea in their head. They absolutely lost it on that idea. I'm deeply horrified by what came out of it. And I am very pleased to see Lori Vallow being put behind bars for life and continuing to be tried for her crimes alongside her accomplice as well. Her final. I like to call him Trash Chad. Trash Chad! (laughs) Exactly. Trash chat. Um, you are there in the same state as them. Are there any updates? Has he started his trials yet or no? No, Trash not chat. April. Uh, okay, but okay. she has been extradited to Arizona, I believe, at this point. Oh, she is not okay. here anywhere. She was in Boise, I believe, for the longest time because, of course, that's the capital city. That's where I am. But they did take her to Arizona because they will, as I was kind of alluding to, further try her for crimes in Arizona as well due to the heinous acts she committed and the ways in which she committed them. She is just liable for a lot of uh, charges. Human misery. Yeah, Yeah, human misery. And I think that I'm getting a pulse that we intend to put her through the ringer. And gosh, I'm here for it. I'm really freaking happy about it. She deserves it. Really, honestly. You know, uh, Americans are criticized worldwide for how um, vindictive we are in our prison system. And that's absolutely Mm -hmm. true. But people come along where you're like, yeah, but this person. (laughs) I feel like really, really, really torn. I actually had a really interesting one time I went to see one of my best friends. Shout out to Danielle. And uh, we hadn't seen each other in some time. And we were driving around and, you know, just girl talk, just catching up. And somehow the conversation immediately slipped into just like the prison system. And oh, yeah, as as it's want to do. Right. As girlies would do. You know how girl talk goes. And we were just kind of getting into the complexity of exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, I have questions. Of course, I'm not revealing anything about her stances on anything, but I was saying I have questions about the way that the prison system works and all of this stuff. Yes, I'm a good liberal in that way. And yet, sometimes a Lori Vallow comes along so evil. Yes. And you're like, what else would we do with her? But put yes. her in prison forever. Just worse things. Just worse a, things is what we would do. I know. I know it seems harsh, but I also am just like, I don't think so. If you don't think so, maybe listen to the episode and let us know what you think. Uh, but yeah, yeah. basically the worst trigger warning ever needed for anything was on the Lori Vallow episode. It was hard to talk about, hard to listen to, but important to shine a light on because it was some dumb, dumb stuff that did not warrant the way that things It's interesting went because like her whole bent and her entire life was like, I, you know, I'm so spiritual. I'm so interested in spirituality. Um, again, she's a Mormon, which gives her a uh, uh, hashtag, not all Mormons. And mm-hmm. I think uh, Mormons would say, no, no, the fuck she's not. And that's fair. <laughs> but, yes. but, you know, her, 
point being though, like her, her base religion, as we've said many times about Mormonism allows for any kind of radical new prophecy to come in at your whim. Like it, it's built, it's baked into the cake with Mormonism that that can, that's why so many things in Mormonism can be really cool or can go horribly awry. Right. And so Lori Mm -hmm. went horribly awry because she's has a black soul, but it's, what's interesting to me about her is that, you know, her whole thing was like, I'm so spiritual, but, but the spirit she was, was like a a black hole of, of if we're going to pretend, Oh, you know, pretend or believe, however you want to say it, you know, in, in our upbringings uh, as fundamentalist type of conservative Christians, which is a common religion in America, mm-hmm. we are taught, we see the world as having just, it's just rampant with demons and spirits everywhere, you know, spirits of addiction, spirits of sex, spirits of, you know, laziness, all these spirits of just being uppity, spirits of everything that's a bad attitude. But I say, you know, that's, that is in a Christian's view. I don't think in other major world religions, I don't think this is so much at play, but in a Christian's view, a lot of us see the world as spirits everywhere, spirits of every bad thing, always trying to grab a hold of you. And Lori Vallow seems like the walking epitome of a black hole at the center with every spirit of avarice, of greed, of of ego, of me, me, me. Just she's just a walking ball of of black hole energy sucking everybody else in because she's so focused on like I'm the best. I'm the queen. Oh, Chad says I was I was a goddess in 27 different lives. That makes sense to me. Now I'm his follower because mm-hmm. I have to have been a goddess in 27 different lives. I have to be the like she's such a black hole of need to feed her her starving unsatiable ego that she literally commits the most vile acts of murder. It's terrible. Yeah. It's hard to understand if you're an actual person with a working brain, I think, unfortunately, but it is. But she is so spiritual in that way. And that like, if you're going to see the world as, as made of spirits, she embodies every vile. Oh, she does. Spirit that there is. She embodies it. She just, yeah, she absolutely does. She is, yeah, possessed with a spirit of evil. Seems like a very accurate statement because she just, the atrocities are of such a nature that you can't really fathom otherwise being the case if you're like you and I, yeah. I I think it, the world over. I don't think there's any like bush culture anywhere that would fi- that would disagree with this one thing, which is that there is nothing more shocking and natural and unnatural than a mother killing her own child. There is no more unnatural crime. Yes. Yeah. You know, like even I I know that that happens in the wild when a child is not viable. Right. But I don't think it happens in the wild, when not not between a mother and child when the child is well. I don't think that like that no. is contrary to nature, and that and that is such an abhorrence to the rest of us. Um, and she's just chilling; she's still feeling great about herself, which is, you know, again, just such a testament to like what a person's 
when a person is just a black hole of ego, they can just do anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Deeply mentally ill, it seems, um, but absolutely and undoubtedly egotistical to the moon. And like you're saying, just a yeah, giant black hole. Can't think of a better way to describe it personally. Yeah. Very. And apt. then they start this tiny little cult of their own. I mean, their cult had like five members, but it it like numbers were irrelevant because a person who wants to cause great harm can cause great harm. And it's almost like the cult was incidental to like have five people to surround herself with to validate her ridiculous stories and validate her vile actions that she was like, can I get five followers? And we're a go. And yet again, much like uh, <laughs> much like we talked about uh, Mother God again on the on the Patreon, yet again she skipped off to Hawaii to be a goddess in Hawaii. Yes, yeah, so a white woman cult leaders want to do it at all times. <laughs> Our apologies to you, Hawaii, and with that we say fire and flames to Lori Vallow and uh, and her. What did I call him? Trash Chad. Trash Chad. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Trash Chad. Absolutely. Adieu to both of you. Uh, no more needed out of either of you, frankly. Adieu. We said adieu. adieu. We said adieu to you. All right. And, yeah. We can, we can quick like a, like a bunny of the village. We, we, the village was our, um, we do a fictional uh, utopia or dystopia every time. Would you call, do you think that the village was supposed to be a utopia or a dystopia? Like what is it supposed to be? I think it's supposed to be a dystopia. I think you might be right. It's hard for me to say that because obviously we feel utopia about it. Both of us yeah. are united on this. And what I have to say about the village is a big old mwah. That's what I have to say. Mwah. Mwah. Okay. That's what I have. What's your word association for the village? What's the first thing you see? Red. Just red. Which nice. is funny I because see. that's obviously the, 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 the other color. But yeah, red. Yeah, well, I was. I see a red cloak and I see a yellow cloak. Immediately, mm-hmm. I can't separate them. Yeah. Yep. Red and yellow, absolutely. For me, it's always prominently red, but definitely yellow close to follow. But that's just a yeah, a testament to what a beautifully shot film it is. You know, if you haven't seen it, guys, you gotta watch it. Definitely don't listen to the episode if you haven't watched it. But also, if you haven't watched it, what are you doing? Let's go. Um, I say that, but I think I had a very, very literate and lovely friend who had not watched it at the time that our episode came out. And I was absolutely Oh my bored. gosh. So Did I, you fix I know that, that for it them? does happen. Yes. I believe that she rectified it near immediately. So I'm glad to say that that that's my good note about our podcast is that someone, at least good. one person to my knowledge has watched the village because of it. So guys, our work we're spreading done. the good news. We're spreading the good news. This the is village is here. It's available out for rent on air. Online. Yeah, or you I guys I mean, come to my house and watch it if you need to. I'm not going to just let you like guys live your lives without watching The Village. It's a pretty big mistake, for being honest with you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we would both join The Village. I think anything else we need to know about that? No, I don't think so. Watch the movie. Uh, it's a great time. Yeah. Side note, I will do whatever Joaquin Phoenix asks me to do. So Yes, sir. Just, Just a fine. heads up on that. Adrian Brody, similar. This is not his best look, obviously, in terms of being <laughs> a like sexual icon, but big fan yeah. of Adrian Brody. Uh, we love him. And this is a very pro-Adrian podcast. You're always super pro. Here. Super pro. 100%. Please join us anytime, Adrian. Anytime. All right. 
Uh, Adrian, if you would like, you can come to the next commune with us, which is the Hutterites. The Hutterites. We um, love a Hutterite. We love a Hutterite. And may I just tell you that I found out, I'm not going to actually like air any big, big news on the show today, but I found out after we had aired this episode that I actually know multiple people that grew up in near and around the Hutterites and know all kinds of weird and squirrely little things about at least the groups of Hutterites that they lived near, which I don't know if is representative of anything in general, but it was some really squirrely stuff. Like it was some really intense stuff. Amber's been holding out on me. I have been. been. So I heard, I heard a few things. Well, and I can't, I really, I obviously no one knows who I'm talking about. So it's not going to get me in too much trouble here, but I will be very careful about exactly how much. But to say that I heard that at times white, blonde, blue eyed gentlemen are recruited into sleeping with people's wives at <laughs> these groups and then Whoa. i was like that seems really outrageous and then i looked it up and i actually saw more i wouldn't have even said it if i hadn't have seen more online to validate this so um something for you to look into okay I don't know the if this coloring is, is all right the, the coloring is a disappointment but actually i have other than the coloring i have no judgment about that because they are such an insular community. They would have immense problems by now if they only married other lifelong Hutterites. That's immense. exactly what people That's were telling me smart. and saying online is that it was like a proactive stance against exactly That's that great. issue. Good for them. That's really smart. What, mm-hmm. you listen, I was yet again, I was just in an Amish community last week uh, running around from Amish farm to Amish farm. And I just am always struck the, the first thing that, if there's one word you could winnow 100% of the Amish down to, it is pragmatic. Mm. And, you know, we're still talking Anabaptists here. They're fucking pragmatic as fuck. They just like, oh, we can only marry other Hutterites, but that is right. a tiny pool that genetically is hugely problematic. We're not going to change our marriages. We're not going to marriage marry outsiders and dilute mm-hmm. our culture. But we're also right. going to have healthy babies. This is the fix. Yes. I've really never heard of a better idea. Hats off Works to you. Pretty well. Hats rights. off to you guys. Got to be a little more open-minded about it, but hats off to you. On some I will level. tell you this. When we get to Elohim City, they are doing the opposite. So I'll fill you in on that. Go ahead. Interesting. Interesting point. Yeah, I think I thought the Hutterites were very interesting. Um, I really was interested in the idea of a more intense sort of like Amish group, Amish cult group, cousin situation that being raised in an Amish community. That's why. So like, Mm -hmm. I always say being raised in an Amish community, people always are like, oh my gosh, you were raised Amish. And then I say, of course you think that. I just said that in the dumbest way possible. (laughs) It would lead you to believe that I was Amish. No, we just bought an Amish house in the middle of an Amish community. And then we, I was raised in that house. If you haven't heard that before, but I was raised around um, some of the Amish in Southwest Missouri who were pretty strict from my understanding within the large catalog of the Amish spectrum. So I was very excited Mm -hmm. to learn about the Hutterites as a related group that is also 
strict. I was very interested to hear something more. And I thought that they were quite, quite nice, quite peaceful, not bad, great headscarves, great general mm-hmm. vibes, it seems. Not yeah. a lot of complaints. I love the outfits. As I've said before, I'm 100% in on the outfits. I love them so much. We both agreed that we would prefer these small polka dots to the large. Yes, we both And uh, yeah. Now, if I really had my own, listen, if I'm starting my own Hutterite colony, it's plaid for me. Oh, yes. See, I mm-hmm. could do that big time. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a Scotch girl at my heart. Scotch. Exactly. Scottish girl. Um, and yeah. You're like a little Scotch cool. egg. Like a little scotch egg. I think that's what I was thinking when I said scotch. And then I was just like, You were probably like, well, thinking scotch Irish because that's what uh, I am always described as, a scotch Irish. I mean, perhaps, perhaps mm-hmm. it was. Yes, I I think you're right. Yeah. yeah I like, yeah. So what are your thoughts? Oh, any other any other juice we should know about? Nothing, nothing yet. I am hoping to continue to gain more information and... I am also hopeful that we'll continue to talk about the Hutterites in some form or another as we move forward within the show, because I think that that is a very fascinating community to look into. Well, I will say this, um, small foreshadowing, if I can get an interview, and I think I can, um, we get great mail from you guys. We love hearing from you. Um, We got a message right after we ran the Hutterite episode from a guy who used to be a Hutterite and now um, is with another friend of his who also used to be a Hutterite, like they both grew up Hutterite, uh, have left the community, but still love their community and are going on a walking tour through Europe that the Hutterites walked in their immigrations, uh, which is the coolest thing ever. And he did offer to do some uh, some combining. So I'm going to try to get an interview with him. So I think it's, I think that would be really cool. And Amazing. I think that's probably going to happen. So uh, we will be talking Hutterites again, guys. We love you, Hutterites. The breeding only ups you in my in my esteem. This is very smart. It's true. It's an interesting. It's an interesting tactic. I'll say that. I would like you to be more open about it because I think that I would agree. make you very radical. Seriously. Ooh, you, should get yeah. that. you guys Consider were like, actually, it. here's what we do. We're married, but we like to bring in a spicy little additional companion for this purpose. I think it gives you an edge. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of if you're open and honest about it and non-discriminatory, as I've said repeatedly, I know. But I, I love there's it. anything wrong with that. So just I consider it. it. Listen, we're not asking you to wear plaid head coverings. We're not like trying to change the world over here. No, just be just, open about your practices. Yeah, that's all I, ask. I that like one it. practice. Just the one. Um, yeah, and you're, it sounds like you're pretty open already. So no reason <laughs> to just not crack the door a little bit more. All right, and with that, we go over to Lula Rowe, brought to us by Amara this year Ro. or this season. All right, Lula Rowe, stinky stretch pants. Stinky stretch pants, moldy stretch pants. Not a great, not a great group grosser than I expected, even though I knew what we were going to be looking into. I was fascinated. I would say my biggest takeaway is that I was fascinated by how non-evil this lady seemed, honestly. Oh, the, the leader of LuLaRoe? Yeah, the lady that started LuLaRoe, um, okay. the fat, the original fat bottom girl starter. Not she herself uh-huh. is not it, but the starter. Did uh, you watch the documentary or no? 
Like the newer I one? I did, but okay. not before this point. So uh-huh. not before I did the ep- – like before I did the episode, but not prior to prepping for the episode. It was part Got of the it. whole accumulation. So – I was just kind of taking it all in with wide eyes and it was a lot of info. I was also surprised by how hard it was to find credible information. It was like looking into a suspicious count. It was like looking into a cult. I was like, why are you burying the information then? If you guys are just a legitimate group, why is it so hard to find factual info then? See, that's why I actually, because I did watch the documentary too, and I'd watched it like way, like right when it came out, so way before uh, we did this. So I didn't remember a whole lot of the facts. I just remembered my impressions of it. But I did not like the owner um, because it seemed so disingenuous that she was like, I can't remember the math, you know? Like, <laughs> yes. Who's yeah. to say? Like, I think you're to say. This is your multi-million dollar company. Like, yeah, that's you, a fair lady. point. That's a fair point. I think that is true. She does strike me as somebody that just like was bad at business, frankly, when I looked at like, it was just like, okay, this is a person, well, her and her husband who naturally was, you know, involved and important, uh, but yeah, naturally, naturally, but yes, I think that, I think that there were some, some big missteps taken business-wise that really, really affected them very negatively. And I think Mm -hmm. that I don't know if she's evil or she's not very good at business, frankly. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, that's a good question. And I don't think she's like super evil, but I I do think, listen. Probably greedy. Yeah. And we've said this before and I'll say it again and I'll keep on saying it. I think the most evil things are pretty banal, right? right? Evil isn't in like these you know, few and far between people who like sadistically torture other humans. That's mm-hmm. evil, of course. But I, I think the bulk of what what we would consider evil is just a deadness to other people's needs. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, your ego or your greed being so big that that you can run a concentration camp and not have like mm-hmm. you're it's. I'm trying to make the word banal apply to it correctly. It's not like a raving lunatic most of the time. Evil most Mm -hmm. of the time is just like, oh, I'm sorry that my my new business is poisoning the water for your family, but my business really has to do that. So Mm -hmm. nice to meet you. Like that's banal. You've not done anything, said anything bad, but you're like, I will let your children die. Thanks for coming by, you know, and I sure you lose your house. Yep. Yeah. I won't try to make you lose your house, but I could stop it. And I definitely won't because, you know, I want to put my second pool there. (laughs) Precisely. That's, that's what, what most of evil is, I think. And I do think she strikes me that way. This is a good read. I think she is that type of evil. I think it's an important di- differentiation when we're talking about someone like Lori Vallow earlier. Right. And like right. You're t- you literally kind of reference that type of person. But I do think that this is that kind of banal, repetitive evil that takes a person that's not in touch with other human beings or being very empathetic or, you know, just trying to do things that leave a positive impact on the world or community around them. This is definitely a self-serving approach to my eyes, at least. Yeah. And everything other than the name, the, the, you know, I understand it was named after someone other than her, but that's, that's it. I think that's where it ends. 
begins and ends right there mm-hmm. with the goodness. I don't know, you know, and I can even like appreciate that at the beginning, um, it, it might have been helpful to some local moms when it was small. And had it stayed small, it might have been a great business with a great brand that really helped people, you know, but but again, it's just that like cancer like growth of like, we will, they're basically like the need factory in the Dr. Seuss book, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which one? Uh, the Lorax, right? Where yes. like he comes in and he like chops down all the trees and and makes his needs, which is like just a product that everybody wants, but has like no real purpose until he like pollutes everything and all the fish have to move away. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but what? I'm just making my needs and it's profitable. Like, what's the problem? That's these people are, are that guy. Exactly. Exactly. I have to agree. Yeah. And you could have made like three high end needs a year and helped a couple people and had a nice business for your family and actually made a quality product and like left the forest sustainable. But instead you, you Loraxed it up. You Loraxed it up. You made gross ripping leggings that no one needed and Mm -hmm. Some moderately okay tops, I'll give it to you, but that's it. And then you took a lot of people's money. And I really hate that. I hate I hate the multi-level money stealing grab thing mm-hmm. that happens. And now time. there are no truffula trees. It's true. I'm back to Dr. Seuss, sorry. There are no <laughs> <laughs> it's all very sad. It's all very sad, okay? And we blame you, the company LuLaRoe, for that. So and you didn't even treat your employees well, except for your children, which is a whole other level of annoying. Don't get me started on the Trustafarians. Yeah. So, all right, LuLaRoe, you could have done better. You could have done better. And that's why you are featured on Cults I Join. Exactly. And unfortunately, (laughs) getting that that dreaded thumbs down from both of us, no Mm -hmm. join. Which I uh, is an accomplishment, Lularoe, because I was ready to join the FLDS, parts of IBLP. Yep. Definitely the Branch Davidians who are about to cover next. I would have joined the Branch Davidians, but Lularoe, I'm a no to you. So see, that's why we cover like Lularoe though, is so you can get the contract of. That's how <laughs> ridiculous some of these things are. Obviously, yeah. not when most people were joining LuLaRoe, they did not have the benefit of the hindsight we're dealing with now. Oh, of course, and of course. So we're not actually talking about those people. So if you join no. LuLaRoe, if you're one of the thousands of people that did that, that's totally normal, same. But join it on the phase, at least. I didn't I didn't buy any, any distribution products, as we talked about. But we totally get that. But yeah, in general, as a product overall... No, thumbs down. Not huge fans. We're done with you. You're a thing of the past. We're not bringing you with us into the new Roaring Twenties. Yep, that's that. Done. And we are at Branch Davidians. Mm-hmm. The Waco, Texas group, if you are not recognizing them by their name alone. Oh, yes. Sorry, Waco. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they are the Branch Davidians, which is important. No, you're right, though. That's, that way. That's... If you're like, which one is that? That's that's Waco. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, really interesting to talk about David Koresh, um, the, the renamed, the aptly renamed David Koresh and his um, his crew and the group that unfortunately um, went through the trials that the Branch Davidians had to deal with against the government in Waco, Texas. 
Yeah, I what I what's really interesting to me. Well, there's a million things that's interesting to me that I won't rehash here. But w- something that really strikes me when people think about Waco, and and we have talked about how they got associated with white supremacy thanks to Elohim City, who we'll get to in a minute, um, and and the fact that in fact that there is no association there whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. But but a big thing to me that strikes me when people are like, oh, Waco, you know, we know what that is. That's where all those people killed themselves and no, the fuck they didn't. But all that aside, it's it's the total lack of curiosity about this large group of people who died literally in front of our eyes mm-hmm. and, and the total lack of awareness that, you know, they were Seventh-day Adventists. They were from a long tradition. They weren't a spring up cult. They were a conservative group with a long history of, of, you know, pretty regular religious conservatism, um, mm-hmm. that they were a diverse group. People don't seem to recognize, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and even post post their deaths, there were, the trials were on public television. They were f- there for everyone to see. And it just really shocks me the level of vitriol and judgment that people have against these people and, and the, the level of belief that these people chose to kill themselves and their children. Mm. Um, You know, there's such a, there's such an emblem of the idea of group suicide and that didn't happen here. Um, So that yeah. really hurts my heart about the Branch Davidians. I think I wouldn't feel so angry about the Branch Davidians if people were on the same page. If if when yeah. I turned on a podcast that covers the Branch Davidians by people whose opinions I generally trust, they weren't just talking shit about how evil David Koresh is. If, if everybody mm-hmm. as a nation were grieving the loss of these people who didn't kill themselves, then I think I could feel relaxed about it. Yeah. But I... I, you know, I don't like to see them denigrated after all this time as a bunch of crazy people in a cult who, you know, we're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And we're just too dumb to join, you know, not to join this cult that was always going to end like this. I don't, I don't, that view is so disrespectful, obviously, of the people who died there, but also just um, such a, such a 1% of a gigantic portrait very true very micro lens to observe a very complex situation through absolutely and i think that it is so interesting how many camps they get grouped in of course i'm so glad that you've already mentioned and we talked about in the podcast episode just the false equivalations with white supremacy that came out of it despite the group being really diverse um and just the yeah, the idea that they were so foreign and and that they killed themselves was, it's really hard to understand why that's such an accessible narrative for people, other than the fact that it's something that we, like we talked about, media has pushed kind of hard because of the government. Very hard um, push, yeah. Which is, which is, which is very valid. Of course, if you're getting fed that information, it's super valid. And I really, I probably couldn't add anything to what you've already very eloquently said about that. I am just curious, and uh, I am just curious if for you growing up, um, you, what the feeling was in the groups that you were, because we grew up in similar backgrounds, right? But Mm -hmm. the timing of Waco is interesting, of course, um, when we talk about this. And I'm interested in just like the 
the feelings around like the around government intervention basically and around the idea that the government was is going to come in and you're going to need to stand your ground and defend your property against the government I'm kind of interested in the evolution of that thought, honestly, in, re- in thinking back on this episode, because growing up, I'll just share with you very briefly that this was a very common concept when I was growing up in the areas that I grew up in, the, the idea that you at any moment may need to like, not like within my family, but within the groups around me that you may need to defend your, prop- your personal Absolutely. property, your family, any moment, drop of the hat. Against the government. Against specifically the government, like rolling up in SWAT style vans and helicopters, basically, for some reason. Um, That exact picture. I am wondering how much of that came out of events. And I'm not expecting you to know the answer. I just want your thoughts like Waco and, and Ruby Ridge versus how much of their, there was just an anti-government sentiment, chicken or the egg question, basically I'm asking here. Well, being a little bit older than you, I can kind of answer that, I think, actually. Um, right. I, because my church's beliefs, uh, because Waco happened right around the, I was like in the age of like eighth or ninth grade, kind of mm-hmm. between junior high and high school in that window somewhere. Um, and <clears throat> or I might have been, I think it was my freshman year of high school. Um, so I can tell you without question, the church I grew up in was a militia waiting to fight the government for our, you know, last can of peas um, well before Waco. Thought so. Okay. Uh, yeah. Waco was seeing the world identically to how our church saw the world as far as we should be ready to fight off the government if they come to us, which is sure. what I'm sure a big reason that I feel really comfortable saying that I, no part of me believes they were sitting there with their guns, hoping for a fight with the government. We weren't either. We just thought it was going to come and it behooved us to be ready. No different than if you think an earthquake is probably going to come and you should have a lot of canned food. It is the same, like I should be ready so that I'm not stupid. And I think it's maybe even going to come on this weird day, whatever, but, but I'm not like excited for the earthquake to come. I'm not, not going to go and try to, to face start down an earthquake, earthquake. myself no. just no. to respond to an earthquake. No, 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 no. I no. just think it may happen. And if and when it does, I can't be not ready. Right. And I think we would have been called a doomsday cult. Certainly people called uh, the Branch Davidians a doomsday cult. But the, but that that is not, we were not excited to fight the government. We were hoping we never would have to. We just thought it was inevitable. And so when Waco happened, it was simply a very intense confirmation mm-hmm. of our beliefs. And it, yeah. it really locked in a massive proliferation of the militia movement for all those people who like, okay, we're a little militia and, and every one of our militia guys have 10 friends outside of our church who think our beliefs are interesting, but they can't be bothered. Well, now each of those 10 guys is also going to start a militia post Waco Mm -hmm. because we were right. Right. Like that's, that's what it did. 
That's kind of what I suspected. I'm glad that we talked about it because I, I sort of thought that that was the case. And I think it's important to consider that contextually when we think about the militia movement in the U.S. and the fact and the event of Waco itself, because I think it's important that people already had these ideas and mm-hmm. that this was very confirming. Because I think that's yeah. why we see Elohim City saying, see, it's the exact same thing. I think they thought so because they won maybe weren't doing enough research into all the specifics of the group. But two, I think that the other reason is because they were afraid of this. This was a concept they were not unfamiliar with. And Mm -hmm. I think that when something like this happens and it confirms a long held belief for you that you also engage in practices to prepare for that kinship is just going to come very quickly. And I think that, especially if not very many of these people are there to talk to or forum with, right. Um, Mm -hmm. That's going to be even easier. So it's very interesting. And I appreciate your kind of reflection on that. Of course, knowing that you don't have some sort of omniscient eye on it, but have maybe just a little bit more perspective than I do mainly, mainly remembering things in a post Waco, you know, I I just remember post Waco world really. And um, so, so it's interesting because, because I, while exposed to a lot of ideas that definitely ring similar with Waco, felt older at the same time. Waco was zero per- surprise. Every minute that we watched mm-hmm. Waco together was like, there it is. There's right. what we've all been talking about. Nothing about this is surprising to us at all. There's exactly what we thought would happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say what's interesting to me personally about this about Waco was it is actually what knocked me out of the militia movement because I was going into high school and I was, I was, you might know this about me. I tend to be loyal to my culty groups and I was 100% loyal to my church and my militia and my, and the people in that group. I, I plan to live I plan to, they always told me that I was like going to be a revolutionary leader and I would like die for the cause, but I would like change the world. And that was kind of all on me. And so I was, that's what I thought I would do. I didn't think I'd live past 30. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was kind of told I wouldn't. Um, And so I was very dedicated. But when I watched Waco, the lesson I took from it was like, oh, this is a lost cause. We cannot outgun the government. I really, at that point, was like, "This is a, we are spinning our ta- our wheels. This is you cannot stockpile enough weapons. You can't. Mm-hmm. This was dumb." Yeah. And at that point, I was really sad. But that's really what let me walk away from my church and join a secular hippie commune uh, right out of high school because I was just like, "This is a waste of time. We cannot win a fight with the government." I don't know. Yeah. And that's why when I see all these like, you know, tough guy, Jim Bob, gun toting, capital storming dudes today, I'm like, what the fuck are you? What did you not see what happened at Waco? What do you, who do you think you're going to win? How, how do you think this is going to turn out? How many guns do you think you have to win this fight? Like, it just seems yeah. ridiculous to me. And it was Waco that taught me that lesson. Um, Before we switch to the next, for you, did our did our conversation about Waco uh, change any thoughts or feelings that you had about it or no? No, I Waco is one of the ones that I knew quite a bit about going into. Mm-hmm. So I, I pretty much felt the same way the entire way through. I mm-hmm. have never felt negatively about the Branch Davidians specifically. Obviously, I feel very negatively about Waco, but I wasn't even raised to think that Waco was something like, I don't know, you kind of referenced the idea that 
maybe Waco um, is so sort of like they killed themselves or they were mm-hmm. obviously talked about that or that they were an extremist group. That was not how I was raised, of course. So we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about the way that we were raised. But, you know, yeah. in my growing up, we also were a little worried about the government stepping in on us. So we did not have any concerns around people being worried about that necessarily. And then I would say additionally, the groups that I was in and around were very resonant with things like seven day Adventism and uh, yeah, understanding your right for religion and to practice what you believe peacefully. And I never heard the concept that they had killed themselves until I got much older. So that's mm, interesting. That's kind of an interesting difference. I would yeah. say that would be kind of an interesting lasting thought that I would leave. I definitely was introduced to the, to the idea that that had been the case later, but I never thought that in my formative learning about the group years. Well, last awesome thing about the Branch Davidians, that corpse off. I'll never get tired of that. That corpse off is the funniest possible piece. (laughs) I will never get over... I will never get over the move of setting up an illegal competition and then calling the police, but not participating yourself. That's so devious. It's not even evil. It's just devious. And I think I love, it's so Can you just funny. picture David Koresh being like, oh, yeah, I'll corpse off with you. Yeah, you bring that corpse. Do it. Boop, boop, boop. Right over. Right <laughs> over. When will you be here? When's that? Perfect. Can I call you back? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Oh, solid. Okay, we are at the remnant losing weight oh, for the Lord. No. No, mm. no, 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 no. We don't need to be here long. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I We don't have to be. It was short lived. No. This yeah. was such a no for me beginning to end, but I'd never heard of it. It was so interesting to learn about. I have a really hard time understanding, though a woman myself, why anyone would ever join this group. I, I'm not really saying that because, mm. of course, we're on cults I joined and I understand that empathy is very important and I understand that context is so important and you can do all these things in these different situations. I know we talked on the episode about our own personal struggles with body image and eating, etc., mm-hmm. which is a very, very female thing to go through in life, it seems, from, from the conversations and stories that I've heard. But all of that to be said, all of that being said, the remnant, the way down, it's a terrible thing to me. I all negative marks on my end. What about you? Yeah, same. Well, so I have asked myself, like, I hated their aesthetic. So I had no like, I mean, that the hair alone was just a absolute. Terrible. Guys, if you can't picture it just picture the 90s glamour shots but on a person who's like has a clinical eating disorder that's what we're looking at here and that for me is just a hard note i i asked myself like if they were all in kind of like nun looking outfits and and being really strict about their diets would i be in more into it and the answer is yes so i have to acknowledge that a lot of my easy turn off from this is just that i hate the looks of it looks like a mega church yeah. i hate the hair i hate the clothes i just don't like the aesthetics of it so so then when i'm like oh and additionally you have an eating disorder and you abuse kids to the point of death that's an easy pass for me um but i i think a lot of it's an easy pass cuz it doesn't look doesn't visually look like something i'd like so i just try to check myself on that but yeah man no i couldn't i physically don't have the uh the endurance to <laughs> make no. it through a church or i'm starving i can't do it 
it just doesn't seem like a good, yeah, it just seems, it just seems bad. I think I would be very poor to be around personally. I think it'd be very hard for me to see myself spiritually mm. if I was never eating, um, mm-hmm. because I would just be such a jerk to everyone all the time. And oh so my gosh. Focused. I would just want to eat. And Ugh. I, I don't like it. I don't like having mm-hmm. to think about my body. I don't even weigh myself anymore. I don't think I said this on the episode, but like, I'm quite a young age probably to do this. I'd like to think I'm in relatively good shape, but I don't do weight. I, yeah. uh, I'm i happy to see the weight when I go to the doctor. I'm not at a place where I'm like, please don't show me that right now, which is totally fine if you are. Um, I considered that for a while, but I'm in the space where the only time I hear my weight is when I go to the doctor. I have a yeah. good idea of the wheelhouse it should be in, but my weight as a woman can fluctuate 20 pounds in yes. several in a couple of months without looking hardly different at all looking almost yep. exactly the same can't really explain that to you i can weigh the same thing year to year and also look totally different in my face there's no reason for me to weigh myself there isn't so i think that when i hear about a group like this that's so fixated on stuff that's obviously bad Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. saying anything groundbreaking there. I'm not trying to. I'm yeah. not trying to make it sound like I'm really Again, getting a deep Amber, dive. Trailblazing. You're so welcome <laughs> for this take, everyone. Uh, but yeah, starving yourself not not good. And I just I can't see it spiritually. I hate the connotation. I will say that they at least achieved somewhat of an air of mystery. I guess I'll give them that. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, All I got. Yeah. I feel like I want to like mother her children for her because they seem to need it so badly. Um, yeah, I think uh, two comments stood out to me on our Facebook page from this. One was from our friend Leanne who said, uh, I love a happy ending. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Because all the elders just nosedived into a lake. And that was the end of, of that. The church does still exist, but hopefully it will have better permutations after this. Um that was funny. And then my friend, um, I don't actually know if she wants me to say her name, so I won't say it. But w- uh, one of our friends commented on Facebook that, uh, that did you see this one? That her mother had, uh, they had followed this specific like religious tenet of eating. Because remember, again, this was a business plan in which yes. the the business was losing weight and it was not a religion at first. So it was just in other churches until she decided, literally decided to become a cult leader yes. and made her own religion. But previous to that, it was like a weight loss program in churches. And uh, one of our people on Facebook said that they followed this when she was growing up and they kept a scale in their kitchen. Oh no! Yeah, I know. I'm assuming not for the food, for the bodies, which is horrifying. Yes, Yes. correct. No, I have a food scale on my counter. We love a food scale, but not Mm. for me. No, (laughs) no, no. That's literally for pie making. (laughs) Also, there's no point in weighing yourself in the moment. There really isn't. Oh my god! Again, the fluctuation is so much. It's just to guilt you, though. It's It's to guilt. It's to make you hate the process of eating, which you have to do to live while you're doing it. Hate Ugh. it. Hate it. Horrible. All right. Uh, Remnant, maybe maybe take some hints from that downed plane. Maybe take some hints. And we're at the Essenes. Speaking of we're clean here. bodies, when I think Essenes, I think gourds. Amarin? God, it's me too. Gourds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
gorgeous. Guys, and we did have a lovely, a lovely, lovely listener, and I believe a personal friend of yours that commented. I'm saying lovely so many times for a very specific reason. I do appreciate you, but the gourd photo. We had a listener contribute a gourd photo, and now whenever I think of the freaking scenes, the only thing I think of is her extra long gourd photo that she shared. So a special shout out to you today. I think that was my friend Eden. I'm not sure. Or was that again, Leanne? You guys are hilarious. Both of you. Hilarious. Very yeah, funny. I actually think of that on my toes rolling. I think of the gourd photo. I'm kidding. I'm not mad about it. I'm only happy. It was so funny. <laughs> I can't stop laughing about it. Also, it's not as funny to anybody. It's a very inside joke. Not funny to other people. <laughs> to me, it's the descriptor. It's like, get thyself a gourd about the length of a man. About the length of a man. My God, and it's so casual with it. I will never, that was such a big, oh, such a big drop of information. But yeah, no, I, this group, so rad, so fun to talk about, mystical, magical, I'm all in, given the right time and place, certainly would join. Then shocked to find post airing this episode how many modern day scenes there are that listen to our podcast yes so many of you both former and current thank you for listening to the podcast it's amazing that you're just like here now and also practicing these things some of you mentioned that you were considering joining some of these larger crews not crew group i don't know why the word crew is i like crew keep it but keep it get in there you the Essene crew. The Essene Let me assure you that I would join that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, consider the branding friends. But yeah, the Essene crew. I love it. And and some of you talked about joining some of these major ones, the the bigger ones that we talked about. One of the two principal largest groups of the Essenes in modern day. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing yes. the information. Absolutely incredible. I think for me, and I don't mean this offensively, Jesse, because you prepared an amazing episode. That was my favorite part, learning firsthand from the listeners about the fact that there are yeah. so many still involved was really awesome. Oh, that's always my favorite part is hearing people sure, like in their lived experience, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool that you guys have, have re-upped the Essenes. I can't say enough good things about it. Essenes, definitely let's have a potluck. I'm super Please. into it. And we don't have to talk about how we're going to deal with that processing food the next day. We don't, nobody needs to know that. We can all go our separate ways. Yes. That's exactly right. We can just, uh, you know, say namaste, handshake, out of the way, mm-hmm. all good. From I love there. it. Also, a scenes. Let's do get on some kind of a scene handshake because mm-hmm. I definitely want to be doing that in the streets with other, with yes. other people in the a scene scene. <laughs> yes, the a scene okay, with scene. That- <laughs> With that, we are any other any other thoughts on the Essenes? Guy, oh, Essenes, thank you for the Dead Sea Scrolls. Thank you. Big thanks. Very cool. Very mystical. Actually, let me just say this. At my surprise bowling party last night, one of my friends uh was listening to the Essene episode, like in real time. And so she was very, very interested to talk about the gourds. We had to stop bowling and talk gourds for a minute. <laughs> So, so unbelievably fair. You see the bowling mm-hmm. pins, you start thinking about it. You're like, oh man, a bowling mm, pin. Oh, this man. is taking me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's Jesse's voice again. She's talking about bowling, but I'm hearing a scenes. I am only hearing the scene <laughs> story. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Sorry. You're welcome. Girl. 
welcome, friends. Okay. On to Elohim City. Okay, you tell me your thoughts, and then I, I have a little more tea to spill with Elohim City. Go ahead. Okay. Elohim City, very interesting to talk about. Anytime we get an inside look into one of these communities that is considered very dangerous, is definitely presently active, is associated with these big events in U.S. history that were catastrophic, that's going to be an interesting, interesting conversation. It's going to be even more interesting when we have closer ties and firsthand stories into what's going on as well. I think my favorite part about talking about a group like this and Elohim City was no exception was just the humanity of yeah. the people and understanding sure. that groups can come together behind some pretty crazy acts, behind some outrageous beliefs. They can get roped into some different movements and actions, and they can also still absolutely be human beings who are leading complex lives where they are making decisions on a day-to-day basis, even if you may not agree with them. All true. Um, I wanted to add something um, to sort of color what you just said. Um, And I think I brought it up for a minute, maybe on the Patreon, but I'm going to say it here because this is where this is the feed where the the episode aired. Um, So I do have friends who are from Elohim city and um, they, some of them did contact me after this episode aired. And I, first of all, to the people who contacted me, thank you so much for, again, your kindness and grace. Um, Nobody wrote me angry letters, which I was afraid I would get. Um, And, uh, (laughs) They easily guessed which trollop I was referring to. So Ah, that was validating. Um, (laughs) But the bigger thing that a common theme that I heard that I want that I think I will go ahead and say here uh, was I wish that you had expressed a little bit more of the dark side, which is a pretty, um, a pretty active a uh, culture of abuse of child, like sex, child, ch- sexual child abuse. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't. I did trigger warning that, but I will now. So, just if you don't want to hear about that, and I won't say much about it, uh, mm-hmm. skip like a minute. Um, there just there is um, that is pervasive there, and I wouldn't say that normally about a community that I don't know that firsthand because I'm not from there. Um, but I have in, in the many years I've known a lot of the people there, uh, I've heard the same graphic stories from eight different people like, Oh, Sally over there. Well, here's one horrific, unbelievable, mind blowing, terrible, you know, Mm. abuse that happened to her that is common knowledge amongst all of us. And so it's twofold, right? A that happened and, and it's, I can't, (laughs) I can't even think of a sentence to say about how bad it is. The things that I'm thinking of the common stories that I've heard over and over. So a, it happened, but B, everybody knows this story. And Mm. we're talking about people who are not just living their lives, but who are considered sacred. Mm. Right. Um, and so, uh, that's that's I guess how okay it is. And so again, I knew this when we aired this, but but it's not it's not my story to tell. I it didn't happen to me. It's secondhand to me. 
Um, but because people said, I wish that you would have acknowledged it, I'm going to acknowledge it because I have a strong tendency, again, in case anyone hasn't noticed me yet, I have a strong tendency to paint a rosy picture on any kind of community group. And I, I can see some rosiness in Elohim City. Um, and so I, I felt maybe it is important for me to say, in this instance, I can speak to a concrete dark side that exists in that place. So please don't let me give you the impression beca- that because it is a community of people who are earnest in their beliefs, who love each other like we love our families, you know, I, I see lots of love within their community for each other, and I can't help but love that. Um, let me not advertise it as a place you should go or send people you love. Mm. Also, a whole lot of like first cousin marriage, oh. which is uh, what I was going to say, like, take take a cue from the Hutterites, y'all. They seem to think it's okay because those kids are turning out okay, but like... That's not gonna. No, not gonna hold. Does it? That t- unfolds in a more negative pattern the longer that you try it out. So, not Correct. a great. Correct. And again, they're drawing from a very small pool and a very exclusive pool, which is not going to work out for them in the long term. So, I um maybe uh maybe apologize to people from this scene that don't want to hear that that put out on the airwaves and it wasn't my intention to, because I do understand it's not mine to speak to, but it's also maybe not mine to bury when I'm talking about a group. Right. I don't, I don't want to tell people it's a good place to go. Yeah. So that's important. Yeah. I think it's important. And it's another, it's time for my um, apt Every every single time we have a wrapped episode, I have to say this thing, which maybe I should just say at the start of the season, which is that at Colts I Join, despite our very fun and catchy name that everyone knows and loves so much, uh, we're actually not encouraging we're not encouraging that you join any single one of these cults. Not any of them. We're not actually saying it's a good fit for you. We're really specifically talking about us and our experiences and the things that our life has brought us the context for. And we have not led the most normative lives, which is another thing that we talk about on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So Mm you may not agree with us like 80% of the time, and that would be okay. If you agree with us, you know, most of the time, that's awesome. But it's, it's all super contextual. Sometimes it's historically contextual. Sometimes it's geographically contextual, you know, there's all kinds of these different considerations that we have to take in. And so we want to come into these groups from an open-minded place that makes the podcast something interesting to listen to, that expands our knowledge of these groups. And so we can express how we feel about these things, but it never means that we're like, you know what you should do. (laughs) You (laughs) You should take the first school bus to Portland and take up worship with the Essenes. I'm not saying it'd be a bad idea, but it's certainly not the purpose of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and and definitely not when we're talking about uh, any Christian identity group. So. And we're, yeah, absolutely never encouraging it with any groups like this. So, yeah. yeah it's And now that moves us on to the next group, which I insist you all join immediately because it's the best commune in the world. Amrin, I ruined it for you. We're you at the farm. 
The farm. I think we can all collectively agree, and I actually don't have to think this. Most of you have tuned in to share your feedback. We love the farm. Everyone loves the farm. I think the whole crew (laughs) is going to join the farm, as I would say. We're mostly in. We love midwifery. We love colorful domes. We love... What else do we love? They eased up on the soy. We love less soy. That's great. (laughs) Less soy is Um, always good. Yeah, I can keep my shirt on if they need me to. I love an eco village, but I love a place that's not entirely an eco village because that can get really preachy. So I, I love the farm, just everything about it. And and yeah, it's true. If you guys go to the Facebook page, it is nothing but farm love. I don't know if you noticed on there, but my friend December, who I know from a different commune, uh, had two of her babies there. She mentioned this on the group and she, she beat us both with name dropping. Ina May caught her baby, her first baby. Yeah, that was pretty much the coolest thing you ever could have said. So you win. Yeah. You win. You win, December. We you win. It. Well done. <laughs> and it was your month when you said it. So it was just a win, win, win. I love it all. Oh, yeah. All the way around. Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I I closed it out with the farm because, good Lord, we did some heavy ones this time, and I was really excited, and it released. So I gave it to you as a New Year's present, and I released it on my birthday. So it was just like, it's it's everything that we want cults I joined to go rushing into with open arms. It's true. Yeah. It's so true. We do love it. It's fantastic. It's, you know, I, there may, they may have troubles, but I know them not, and I love them. <laughs> they are yep. a delightful place, a happy space in my brain. You know, certainly not for everybody, I'm sure, but they work for this granola girl. They certainly do. True that. Farm, we love you. Thank you for being a great example of what community can be in the world and a great example of the many uh, iterations a community can go through and still uh, come out with their values and lifestyle intact and uh, fairly unblemished. So a lot of what I think successful community is for is to be an example to the rest of the world. You know, that there's, you know, when I, when I went into living in community, a lot of people accuse people who live in community of hiding from the world. Right. But, and, and I, I am so, activist oriented because I was told I'd be a revolutionary leader um, that when I went into living in like rural communes, I had a lot of guilt about like, but I'm not out protesting the wars actively. And, you know, I did go do that, but you know, I'm, I'm not out like blowing up cop cars, which I thought I was supposed to be. I'm not out like being a hardcore activist. Like I thought I was supposed to be. I had a lot of guilt about that, but I really came to see that functioning com functioning especially secular communes because they're available to everyone um, are not just a light in the world. They're, they're an active example of an alternative. You know, I love my son so much. He's been reading me the suicide stats since it turned to 2024, um, which I guess is, is probably common for the new year, right? Sure. The year turns and people are like, I'm not doing this. And I just Mm -hmm. think like, so many people, if they could see, and now I sound like I'm trying to recruit people to my cult, but I just really believe in community. And I think so many people are living miserable lives because for them, they don't sync up with the mainstream and they do not realize that there are real alternatives for them. 
Um, mm-hmm. And there are actually so many. So I appreciate the farm and many other great communities, but the farm, you know, overall, because it is the most famous commune, the best documented, um, and it has weathered so many storms. I just appreciate mm-hmm. it, not just for like how fucking awesome it is to be there. The place feels so good, but, but for the example that it sets, I think, um, I mean, they have so many charitable organizations, but I think the greatest charity they give is just like their example. So we love you farm. And that is, let's see out of the whole list, Amarin, we're wrapping up. Who are you most likely to join other than the farm? Cause we all know that's going to win. And mm-hmm. who are you least likely to join I, other than Lori value Vallow? Cause <laughs> we're yeah, taking off the top and the Vallow. bottom. Oh, yeah, probably least likely would have to be, mm, I think least likely is Elohim City, but it's Mm. barely edging out the remnant, which I think is probably one of the hotter ones. All of the other ones are relatively possible, obviously excluding the ones you excluded. I think that there's possibilities. I'm not saying like, I love it. I want to join IBLP, but I definitely think it's more (laughs) likely I join. I I think it's more likely I do that than join Elohim City personally. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Because I have such a comfort level with Elohim City specifically, and I know that I could like skirt the problems. I would I would pick the remnant for mine because I would mm-hmm. die. Yeah. Like in fair. week two. So fair. I would just the physically die. Sucks. Yeah. It's so 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 well said. I think the remnant <laughs> has to take the cake on some level. I totally understand your Elohim study point. I would say for my join, my happiest join besides the farm, it's gonna be the Essenes. I uh, Ooh, but I'm also specifically referencing the very old time Essenes that we are predominantly mm-hmm. talking about alive in Jesus's era. And I'm mm-hmm. putting a pin in the modern day Essenes because they're very, very close to me and I don't want to make any promises I can't keep. <laughs> very nice. Uh, I'm going to join FLDS, not the current iteration, yes. but like yes. in one of their happier days, I'm joining Absolutely. FLDS. That's the, the hair, right the sister wives, I the giant houses with 75 children. I like it. I I wondered if that would be the move and I like <laughs> I like the specification of going back to this to this to the, you know, happier, more balanced period of time because I definitely think that that we talked about in the episode. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go listen to the episode and you'll know about some of those little happy periods that Jesse's referencing right there. Yeah. We can't tell you anything, everything. Also sacred underwear. You're going to get me every time with sacred underwear. Every time with the sacred undies. It's very interesting. Well, with that, that wraps up our season three. All right, guys, as we are moving into season four, we're going to have a couple of changes. So we're just going to run those through with you really quickly. Uh, change number one, we are in the next week or two going to be starting a Facebook group as opposed yeah. to a Facebook page. This will allow you to make your own posts um, and hopefully we'll encourage you guys to have even more conversations online because, as we said, our very favorite thing about this really is like chatting with you guys and hearing your thoughts. And so uh, having a group as opposed to a page will, will give you guys a lot more freedom to express and initiate things 
you know, whether or not they're what we might think to initiate. So that is coming soon. Stay tuned. And and we hope you'll all join that and encourage your friends too, because we love a good convo. Uh, the second thing is that we'll be changing our formatting slightly, but we think you will like it. You might notice that this uh, episode, which we swore we'd keep tight, is at one minute and 42 seconds. <laughs> For sure. one hour and 42 minutes right now. Um, and that's with us really trying to keep it tight. So we are going to, uh, here's what we're doing. Previously, we did 12 episodes with a 13th wrap up. And we then would take a long pause from weeks to months uh, and then get out the next set and then get out the next set with long pauses in between in which you guys kept asking us if we were still alive, which was fair. Um, we are going to switch over our model to rather than dropping 12 episodes about 12 groups, we are going to drop 24 episodes about 12 groups. So we are going to cut into half each of the episodes because we just can't talk about an entire group in less than the time we're doing it. Um, but it's a bit too big of a bite is some of the feedback we've gotten. And so, Mm uh, rather than, so every episode will basically be like part one and part two. Um, what else that's going to do though, is it's going to stop those gaps in between. So we will go no more than a week or two break. If that between seasons, we're not going to have long breaks anymore. So you're actually going to get a much more consistent and nonstop feed. It won't actually change the amount of episodes you're getting at all. It will just change the way that they're fed out. Um, and it will, it will stop that break in the middle that, hopefully is actually going to be good for our algorithms as well. And we will be doing the same thing with our Patreon level. So again, it'll be 24 episodes, but it will still cover the same 12 subject matter. It's just going to break it up into more bite-sized pieces. So that is what we're looking at in the future. Uh, Obviously we welcome feedback. Um, Everything is learning and growing and that's what we're doing. So with that, we say thank you all so much. Amarin, did I miss anything? Any house cleaning? Only other housekeeping item is that if you liked this season very much and enjoyed being on this ride with us and you haven't done it already, we would really appreciate a rating slash review slash comment of some type. It helps the internet acknowledge us as a real being. It also, of course, makes us feel great about ourselves, but it Mm -hmm. serves kind of a larger purpose for the podcast as well, helping legitimize us and better establish us as we're kind of getting our legs after coming out of our first year. So if you are vibing with us, that would certainly mean a lot. Um, No worries if you're too busy, though. We totally understand. We hope you'll just stick around for next season and maybe even join us on the Patreon, like Jesse said. I've already gotten a little sneak peek of what we're going to be talking about over there and just a tiny whisper of what's to come in the future of the next main feed. And I am absolutely pumped to see you all there. Bring your friends. We're going to have an amazing time. We're going to join some groups. We're probably going to raise our eyebrows at some groups and think about it also. It is going to be so fun. And with that, we say thank you all. Blessings on your path. We said namaste. Namaste. Hey, friends. If you are loving Cults I Join and want to help us share the fun, here are some actions you can take. Subscribe and share the show on any podcast platform. Rate and review us on Google. This keeps us visible and gives an angel its wings. Or at least that's what our guru says. Follow us at CultsideJoin on the .com, the Facebook, and the Insta, and then hit us there with all your comments, discussions, and questions. We really do love hearing what you think. Finally, a huge thank you to our co-creators, 
Editing and post-production is by DeverWeb. And the biggest thanks to the incomparable Miss Devin Spruill, our theme song creator and performer. You should go soak up her music right now. And that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening and happy culting.